Hey everybody, Raylan Casper White here, uh, doing a little solo. Sometimes I like to just check in, see how y'all are doing, and just tell you how I've been doing. I've been doing fucking great. <laughs> I don't say that very often. I've been kind of moody as I get older. I guess it's the hormones that kick in, and Instagram keeps sending me ads for trauma-based programs and borderline personality cognitive therapies and traumas in the body and traumas this and I'm like dude what's up am I weeping on the phone is the is the Instagram microphone picking up my tears here the sound of my tears unbelievable for a while they were doing ads for abortion clinics where I can get an abortion and uh which I'm all for but I, I'm not even getting laid let alone having that kind of issue so Anyway, misguided Instagram, folks. I just got back from Paris. Uh, I was there for five days. It's been about 15 years since I had been the last time. And it's changed. For one thing, I found the French to be a lot friendlier this time around. And I think it's COVID. I think that, you know, I think tourism obviously plummeted. And all the restaurant owners and people that were always dicks and disdainful and condescending towards tourists, especially Americans, now realize, fuck, we, we do need them. We do it. So I thought a little more appreciation. I think they were humbled a bit. On the flip side, I saw zero fashion. I mean, zero. I, mean, I spent a lot of time in New York. You see a lot of good-looking people in New York, even not good-looking people. People are, you know, people like to get dressed up. Depends on what neighborhood, obviously, the Upper East Side. You want to slit your wrists, seeing a pair of fucking penny loafers and whatever, yacht wear. But... I walked around, I covered Paris up and down, left and right. A lot of sweatpants, but not even cool hipster ones. Just like a lot of unattractive attire. And I was shocked. Because you got all the boutiques, but then you just have tourists in the boutiques. So I don't think Paris is the, uh, in terms of the pedestrian fashion, I was uh, grossly disappointed. But still fun. I went to a museum called the Louis Vuitton. You know, the guy that makes the ugly luggage the brown luggage with his initials. I guess he's dead. I don't know if he's, he's probably dead. I mean, is this stuff from the 19th century? Did Marie Antoinette use Louis Vuitton luggage? I never understood the craze with the Louis Vuitton stuff. I, I like the Gucci stuff, and I like Uniqlo, but that's on a whole other note. But Louis Vuitton built a museum. Uh, Frank Geary designed it. I like Frank Geary. I, I found him a little bit of a one-trick pony, but this one is a little different. It's got those usual sails that he likes to do, but instead of them covered in like steel, like the Disney Concert Hall or the Guggenheim and Bilbao. I just want to say that word again, Bilbao. Uh, this one is like made out of plexiglass, steel, and wood, and it's a fucking cool building, man. And they had a cool exhibit. And I swear to God, this was so funny. So there were all these um, older French people roaming around, usually in couples, either two women together or a man and a woman. The men are all, they age well in France. They're all, and they're all very elegant, that I have to say. So, not not to contradict what I said before, but these museum goers, these, these Frenchies in their like 60s and 70s, they're all like dressed very elegantly, very Upper East Side, but they all have scarves. The women all had little Hermes or whatever, Hermes knockoff scarves. I thought that was funny. Like every woman that walked past me was donning a scarf. They were kind of clony. But then I realized everybody's cloning. You know, I thought about that. I think profound thoughts sometimes. And I'm like, we all fucking look the same. We can be categorized into about, like, maybe 20 types max. You know what I mean? It's kind of scary. 
billions of people on earth and everybody pretty much can be grouped into several groups. You know, I know we all think we're unique inside. We have our own like footprint, fingerprint, DNA. But in terms of our exterior presentation, we're pretty much all the fucking same. And I'm, I don't mean that from culture to culture. I don't, I'm not talking about the entire world. But just roaming around, you know, all the tourists kind of look the same. Um, the families look the same. You know, there's like the middle-aged dads and their wives and the kids, like the family unit. You know, they look, walk, talk the same, probably having the same conversations. And part of that comforted me, but it actually just depressed me and it baffled me a bit. Like, why aren't people starving to be more interesting or have more expression? Like, we really are conformist, aren't we? And I don't know what that's about. I don't, maybe I need, maybe there's probably a podcast about it. Why everybody kind of conforms, even the nonconformists. I remember I went to Burning Man a long fucking time ago, like 1995, uh, and it was small, and it was cool, and it felt kind of like revolutionary, what was happening. It was also a shit show. It was chaotic, you know what I mean? This is before law enforcement was present. But as the years went by, and it was supposed to be like for, not anarchy, but expression, you know what I mean? Free expression. So you saw people in kooky outfits and making kooky artwork. And then I went five more times over the years, and it just became the same shtick. Everybody looked like a steampunk you know, the same goggle, the same wear. So that kind of revolution just looked very conformy. And that also baffled me. Like, you would be rebelling if you went there wearing your Upper East Side yacht wear. You know what I mean? Even not ironically. But everybody was wearing, and everybody cared about looking hot. It was important to look hot, which it used to not be that way. You know what I mean? But everybody's with the same fucking goggles and, like, kilts and tool belts and, and feathers, a lot of feathers. And I'm like, well, what's the fun if if the expression becomes like lack of expression or you end up becoming part of the mass? I don't know. Look, I, I'm as conforming as to the next person. I just don't have the energy. I think I'm just tired. I, I do live to the beat of my own drum, though. So I think, I, I think I'm not unique in that way. There are a lot of people that live there. But I, I'm not a conformist in terms of societal traditional norms like marital units or even divorcee units or how you're supposed to lead your life. Um, I'm not that. But I, if you see me on the street, I look like fucking another 50 million people. You know what I mean? In my very non-complimentary sweatpants, I just got a pair of Tory Burch pants. And they, they, they fit me well the day I bought them, but then I got bloated ever since. The bloat has not gone down, and now they don't look attractive. Now it looks like maternity wear, and that's what I fucking hate, man. I hate that I look pregnant all the fucking time. It's annoying. It's really annoying. I'm sorry. I'm getting a little worked up. I just landed, so I'm a little out of it. Sometimes these flights, this was a short flight. Uh, I flew, it was a, I took a four and a half hour flight from Paris to Tel Aviv, where I am now, and that felt like a longer flight to me than when I take 16-hour flights or 10-hour, 11-hour flights from, from L.A. to Europe. And I don't know if it's because I sleep more on those flights or I'm a little more comfortable or I'm kind of psychologically prepared for a long haul. But these four or five hour flights, kind of like when I do the cross country, New York, L.A., those fucking take forever. They feel like forever. And I can't really sleep. I took a Dramamine. 
to help me sleep, but it doesn't. It just makes me, like, constipated. I'm sorry I'm going again with my... Did I talk earlier about being bloated? I'm sorry about all the GI talk. I'm kind of on a rant. I bought two books that I read good reviews about. One's called Glory. Fictional dictator in Africa. Was mentioned in the New York Times. Hardcover. I have not purchased a hardcover book since the 80s. And I'm a little daunted because my attention span... I can barely read an article in the New York Times. You know what they've started doing in the Times, though, which I think is kind of offensive and and just sad? They give you the number of minutes it takes to read an article. They are assuming you have such little attention span, even if you're reading the newspaper. Okay, forget TikTok or fucking CNN. The New York Times, an esteemed paper for most people, now tells you two-minute read, four-minute read. Like we're a bunch of... ADHD 10-year-olds. A lot of my friends have 10-year-olds with ADHD, so I'm not disparaging them, but it's like you can't get through a fucking article. You're worried it's going to take four minutes and not two minutes, or it's a nine-minute article. If you see that it's too long, you stop. You need to be told beforehand, before you start reading, how long it's going to be. I mean, can't you just click on it and see? They don't. They want to save you the click time, so you don't even have to click to the page. And it tells you how long it's going to take. I found that to be absurd. That being said, I use it as a guidepost. I don't. I don't actually use it as a guidepost. I, I, I read what I want to read. If something is not interesting to me, I don't care if it's a one-minute read. I'm not clicking on it. You know what I mean? But if it's something juicy, not that the New York Times is chopped, but the New York Times it has gotten more juicy. They, they're writing full articles about the Olivia Wilde spitting scandal. I mean... Their standard of news has fluctuated, shall we say, diplomatically. Back to Paris, if you haven't been in a while, definitely go. Food there, highly reasonable. Um, I ate a lot of fucking baguette, as you do. As you do. And the sushi there was fantastic and super cheap. Who knew? I didn't know that sushi was going to be so good in in Paris. I didn't, didn't equate the two with each other. And some good Italian spots, and I had onion soup bloated the fuck out of me. Here we are with the bloat again, but I just got to be honest, man, the French food, I had some veal. Now, I, I'm a big omnivore, but eating veal left me with a sense of sadness, guilt, depression, and overall despair. So I only did it four times over the course of five days. Uh, and I experienced that same sadness with every meal, but it was fucking delicious, man. I mean, veal done right is just right on so many levels. Shout out to my vegans out there, though. I understand and I appreciate you, and I respect you for the sacrifice you're making. And I don't, I don't miss veal. Like I don't eat veal when I'm not in Paris in a veal establishment. So don't see me as some sort of evil doer, evil eater. Air France food suck balls. Give me an airline that actually serves good food. Can someone find me an airline? Have we not been able to master? I mean, it's a you know, you're, you're flying between, this is not between Detroit and Minneapolis, right? You get a meal on these flights. It's not domestic. They said eggs. That's what they said. This was for breakfast, the petit dejeuner. Eggs, and the eggs had, like, bits of peas and and peppers. It sounds better than it was. It was utterly bland and tasteless. And um, and in that little plastic container next to it, they had uh, a couple of slices of very sad cheese and ham. Now, this was a flight, mind you, from Paris to Tel Aviv, so the French are really going, fuck you, you know, they're all anti-Semites over there. They're serving ham to a plane full of Jews. Now, obviously, if you ordered the kosher meal, 
but I didn't see what the kosher meal was. Knowing knowing how anti-Semitic the French are, I'm sure the kosher meal was just like a bowl of Triscuits and a good luck note. You know what I mean? That was, that's their kosher meal. I ordered a kosher meal once just to experience it, and it was just as sucky as the regular meal. So, you know, at least you're, uh, at least you're not being punished for, you know, uh, adhering to the kosher standards, but you're definitely not being rewarded. Let's just put it that way. They're not saying, good for you. Good for you being a good Jew. Here's a kosher, glatt kosher filet mignon with truffle red wine reduction. No, you're not getting that. You're getting a soggy bagel with one of those little Philadelphia, you know, little squeeze it like they give you from the ketchup packet. That is the worst, okay? Trying to squeeze cream cheese out of a fucking mustard packet. You know what I'm talking about? That's just cruel. Can you not give me one of those little, like, I don't know, discs? You know, little disc thing that, that kind of, you know what I'm talking about, a little container that you peel off. You're giving me that thing you have to slice open. You know, you, you tear it open, and then the cream cheese, you're never getting all that cream cheese out, and half of it ends up on your fingers. Um, then you kind of stick the knife in between the slit to get the cream cheese out. They have to discontinue that immediately, Philadelphia people. Remember Tempty? Do you guys remember Tempty? Tempty was a cream cheese that was sold in like a really hip pink uh, pink container. And it was it was whipped. It was whipped cream cheese and it was delicious. I, I don't know if they still make it, but I wish they did. Um, it was great on a good bagel that was like lightly toasted. Uh, the Tempty was delightful, much better than the Philly cream cheese. Because that's, that's a commitment. Like when you're putting Philadelphia on your bagel, you're committing to some locks and some, you know, whatever you call that purple onion. Is there a word for the purple onion? Or is it just called purple onion? I feel like there's a word for it, and I'm blanking on it. Maybe some peppercorns. What is the difference between a peppercorn and a cornichon? Can someone, you know, write to me and tell me what the difference is between the two? Can you tell that I'm slightly delirious? I'm laying here with my bloated-ass belly, waiting to hear the kick of a baby inside, even though there is no baby inside. So it's just kind of tricking my brain into thinking I'm about to bring life into the world, but I'm just bringing an unattractive, what's it called again? Muffin top? It's not even a muffin top. I just look pregnant. It's not a muffin top. Like, I look pregnant. It's not like I look like I am gained weight. I just look pregnant. Shout out to my pregnant ladies out there. You're beautiful. But when you know you have a point in looking this way, you know, you can embrace it and call yourself a goddess or whatever we call ourselves to make ourselves feel better when our body looks like a truck. I did feel like a goddess when I was pregnant. A warrior goddess. That's always nice too, right? Or queen. Yes, queen. I love our positive affirmations. I don't do them enough. Um, for a while, I was listening to a woman named, her last name was Hay, H-A-Y. I don't know if it was Ruth Hay, something Hay. She was like the queen of positive affirmations. She looked like a Tupperware lady. She's passed on now, but she, you know, she apparently went through a lot of shit in her life and found the power of these positive affirmations. And her voice is very mellifluous, and it kind of feels like a school teacher that has found the Buddha. You know what I mean? I like her. I think it was Ruth Hay. Anyway, check her out on, on YouTube. I'm sure she's got her her channels. Her channels. What else can I share with you? I went to all the museums. I went to Musée d'Orsay. I went to Pompidou. I went to L'Orangerie to see the Monets. And then I went so the Louis Vuitton Museum, the Frank Geary place, had, had an exhibit comparing Claude Monet and Joan Mitchell. Now, I had never heard of Joan Mitchell. Super cool hip chick that lived where Monet lived, I guess it's called Giverny, and painted after his time, but was inspired by him a lot. And 
brilliant abstract painter and also kind of covered the water lilies and the trees there, the linden trees. And they kind of juxtaposed their work room after room. And it was such a brilliant, that's the brilliance of good curating. You know what I mean? Sometimes curators try too hard or group things and you're like, really, dude? But this was just fucking brilliant, man. And so you're in the cool structure. I like when the place that houses the art is, is artful. You know what I mean? I like that. A lot of places are not that artful. But Musée d'Orsay, you know, former train station, beautiful. This Louis Vuitton museum, super fucking cool. And I appreciate that Louis Vuitton didn't try and plug, like, clothing or, or his weird luggage in the museum. His name's everywhere, but you don't see, you know, you don't see ads or you don't see the gift shop wasn't, you know, trying to plug, like, a duffel bag, a $6,000 duffel bag with, made out of brown, ugly leather with taupe lettering on it i don't get it man i don't fucking get it uniqlo that's my fashion for this year uniqlo and muji i love muji i really do i think they have amazing products i just love any store that makes you feel like you can be more productive or joyful in life even though it's all an illusion like i get in there i get my little dopamine high my little mini orgasm from buying like you know, a new stationary set or some aroma fire that looks like a aeronautic dildo. And I buy all these inf- infuser. That's what it's called, fucking infuser. And I buy all these scents and then I come home and I weep and I drown in my own tears and everything feels meaningless. And I have to go back to Muji or Flying Tiger. That's a fun one too. Flying Tiger is a good store um, where you can buy packs of markers and get excited as if you were four years old. And they're designed for four-year-old, these markers. Um, but adults buy them to reclaim their youth. You know, me and my midlife crisis. And then I come home and I draw on my face and I cry some more. So I feel like these people have it down pat. They know how to create that environment to give you the illusion of meaningful joy in life. Um, but you're not really being of service to anybody. I think that's another thing that dawned on me recently. I mean, I give my time and I donate to charity. I don't tip delivery guys enough. I'm kind of, I don't know why. I just, I should. I say I should. But I say I should to make myself feel better about not doing it in the future. I'll just keep saying, you know, I should tip the delivery guys more. But I should, actually. Um, When I used to pay them in cash, I always tipped them nice. But now, when I'm supposed to tip them on the apps, um, on DoorDash, I have it down as a 15% default tip. But there's another one here called Walt. And everything's so fucking overpriced that sometimes I don't tip. Why am I telling you this? Why am I confessing this to you? I want to remain a likable human being. You know what? I'm committing now to tip more moving forward, okay? On the other app. On the app where I don't tip a lot, I'm going to tip more, okay? I just donated money um, to a charity. I'm just going to put that in there so you know that I'm a good person, okay? I also donate to charity. Not on a regular basis, but when they send me something, I'll do it. And I'll usually do their suggested donation, even if it's, you know, a weird number. Sometimes their numbers are weird. I just got one that asked for $98. It's not like I'm buying something for $99.99, which I think works still on people. Like, you think you paid $99, even though it's $99.99, it's 100 bucks. But that shit still works. $199, I mean, it's we're so stupid as a species, you know. That shit just works. So, um... This one asked for $98, and I paid, I donated $98. Just ask for 100 then I'll feel like less of a fucking idiot. Like, what are the other $2? That could probably go towards something good. You know? I don't know. It's not like I have a lot of cash flow that I can just throw $98 towards any charity's way. But if their email's nice and not too pushy, I'll do it. 
I'll do it. It doesn't really matter what cause, you know. I mean, I donate to... The ones that depress me, obviously, are the sick kids. For some reason, for a while on YouTube, I was getting all these ads for St. Jude's Hospital, and they were really depressing me. Like, I cried every single time they came on, and, and it would kill my mood. You know, I don't want to be reminded all the time. I'm, I'm, I think about, you know, suffering in the world constantly because I'm an extreme empath. But if I'm trying to listen to some chill-out lo-fi music to kind of help me out of my depression, the St. Jude ads are not helping. So then um, I requested a change in ads. I think you can do that, or you say this is not relevant. And now I'm getting Grammarly. Now they think I'm a fucking idiot. Like, I can't compose an email without 76 grammatical errors, so I need Grammarly. I need some hipster uh, wearing some purple jumpsuit to tell me if my grammar's good. My grammar's good. It's good enough. Stupid fucks. I hate Grammarly. Because like Grammarly, Wix, and this weird-ass publication called Epoch. I don't know if you've got this, or Epoch, E-P-O-C-H. Like, weird. I don't know if it's owned by Kim Jong-un. Like I feel like there's a, there's a North Korean component. I don't know if it's like, what's his name, the guy who's now a Russian citizen? Um, Julian Assange. No, not Julian Assange. Who's the guy who's a Russian citizen now? that released all the documents, the whistleblower. Oh, God, I am just in a brain fog. I blame COVID from four months ago for this for this brain fog. But you know who I'm talking about, okay? Um, I think he's now officially a Russian citizen. But it might be Julian Assange, or maybe he's hiding out in Ecuador. Who the fuck cares, really, at the end of the day? There's enough shit going on that nobody really should care where Julian Assange is residing. But when you're inundated with a lot of shitty news, sometimes you latch on to the stupid news. Right? And you're like, okay, let me latch on and see who's fucking Pete Davidson now. I do not understand the obsession with this human being. I mean, there really is this weird obsession with this guy. He seems like a perfectly sweet guy. I got that from every source possible. He's a sweetheart. He can be funny. Um, but he's getting like, what, three TV shows based on his life? The guy's, what, 20 years old? I mean, come on now. He's fucking Kim Kardashian, or maybe that's not happening anymore, I guess. Uh, I don't know. Again, when I when I read the Times and the Post and the Economist and I listen to the BBC, I take little brain breaks with some TMZ and some Deadline Hollywood Daily. Um, I don't know if that's called that anymore. It might just be called Deadline. Wow, I'm feeling heartburn. Does that make me a bad person? I don't know what it is. I just had toast with butter for dinner. I did have a yogurt, though. I don't know if those um, low-fat yogurts, they probably have that shitty uh, sweetener in them, right? Like, I, I, ta- I buy these fruity yogurts. I love how I'm asking you guys questions, and there's no way you can answer me. Like, it's not like I'm interviewing somebody right now. But anyway, I buy these, like, diet yogurts, and it says zero uh, white sugar, but I'm sure they have some weird aspartame chemical stevia shit. That's equally not good for you, right? I don't know. I feel like cane sugar is the best for you. If you're going to do it, you might as well drink whole milk and eat pure cane sugar. Like people that like that Coke from Mexico because it's not high fructose corn syrup. It's pure cane sugar to the veins, to the fucking veins. All right, I'm going to wrap up here. Uh, I have shit to do. I have Zoom calls. I'm moving. I'm moving and shaking, folks. Stay tuned. Um, Got a cool episode coming up next week. So stay tuned for that, and don't forget to share, subscribe, and go to Paris, okay? Save up. Don't be a putz, man. Go to fucking Paris. This is Raylan Casper-White signing off.